Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. This is called And Chosen Part 10. This is going to be the longest series already I think we've ever done. And uh, there's a few more next Sunday morning. I'm going to be sharing on the spirit of stewardship. And again, I feel like the Holy Spirit has given me some things about that that I've never heard of. I've always heard of stewardship really shared as though it was a, almost like an obligation, something you ought to do. And then the Holy Spirit began to unwrap for me the spirit of stewardship. And so I think that's completely different to the way I've ever heard it. I'm looking forward to that next Sunday morning with you all. But tonight I want to speak to you about when God tells you something you don't want to hear. Now, if you are with us at metrochurch.online and, you know, get out your phone. How many preachers are ever going to tell you, get out your phone? But if you go to metrochurch.online, there it is. If you click on the notes tab, it's got all the notes there. And so I'm going to read to you this passage of Scripture in a minute. It's already there. You don't even have to look it up. You can type in any thoughts that you have anything you feel that God underlines for you, you can put in there, you can save it, you can print it during the week, off you go, all right? So let's get into this because I know this, that we all love to hear God when He speaks to us about His promises or His encouragement, His comfort. We were laughing uh, last night, some of us, about how, you know, you get in a meeting where there's a prophetic ministry and all of us are hoping, you know, they'll pick us. Pick me, pick me, pick me. And we all love it when we hear a word that really lifts our heart and tells us something great about our future. But what about when God says something to us that we don't want to hear? Let's read Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Here it is on Metro Church Online. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia and on a map, it's obvious that's just the next place to go to. So they didn't stop. They kept going. But when they tried to go into Bithynia, the Holy Spirit again says, no, he did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, which was a port uh, on the sea. And if you again look out at a map, you'll understand that the whole way, every no was taking them closer to what God wanted them to do. I haven't got time to take you through all that, but it's quite intriguing that even God's no is not a stop it's a reposition. I'll say that again because somebody needs to hear that tonight. God's no's are not a stop. They're not an end. They are simply a reposition for your life. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. He's had two no's. And then a vision appears to him in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, 
concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Imagine you're Paul. You've been Saul and you persecuted the church. You meet Jesus on that lonely road. He appears to you and says, I've called you to preach. And after you are filled with the Holy Spirit in the house, uh, Ananias has come and laid hands on you. And then you're called to preach. You immediately go out to preach. You've now spent all your time going out, convincing and persuading, sharing the good news of Christ. And this time you get to this place where you're just doing everything God has previously told you to do. You've been obedient. God's no doesn't come because you've been wrong or because you're in the wrong place. His no came to Paul because he was in the right place, but God had something better and greater that he wanted him to do. Now, those places, by the way, Bithynia, I've studied this up a little bit through history and discovered that Bithynia was the crossroads and it was a place where all the trade routes met and somebody else, and we don't even know who it was, went there and had such a move of God that even all of the idol worship in that place, absolutely the business of it fell apart. So great was the turning to Christ in that place. But he's left everything and then called to preach and you get not just one no, but two. How many know that sometimes God's leading is puzzling? If you've never been puzzled by the leading of God, you haven't been following Him long enough yet. I think oftentimes God will tell you something and you go, what the? Why on earth? Well, let me read you another one. 1 Samuel 24 verse 1. This is in the Old Testament. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of Engadai and he's made an enemy out of David. David wasn't his enemy. He's made an enemy out of David. And so Saul chose 3,000 elite troops. It's 10 to 1. And he's not just taken down some bunch. He's taken down his commandos, if you like, his SES. He's taken 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and he went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul goes into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men are hiding farther back in that very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today, listen to this, today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power. Do to him as you wish. Let's, without getting too graphic here, let's just recognise Saul's in a very vulnerable position. Let's just recognise it's pretty hard to fight from his posture at that moment in time. He doesn't know that David and his men are all waiting there behind him and it would have been so easy for David to get up there and to take vengeance on this guy. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he'd done just that. 
The Lord knows I should not have done that to my Lord the King, he said to his men. The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the King and attack the Lord's anointed one because the Lord himself has chosen him. Yet David knows he's chosen. He's every bit as chosen as Saul was. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. Everyone's saying to David, what a wonderful opportunity God's given you. You definitely ought to seize this. Hello, this is your moment. You know, I was preparing some of these thoughts. It really wasn't even a message. It's weeks ago. And I just felt God was speaking to me about when we talk about called and chosen. So often we think of that as being the place of blessing and privilege, and it is that. But what about the times when God chooses not to use you? Psalm 75 verse 4 says this, it says, For uh, promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west, but from the Lord, because He puts up and He puts down. And what do you do when God seems to put you down out of the, the limelight that you've had? I've had that in my life for sure. And David's in that place. He's killed Goliath after being anointed to be king by the prophet Samuel, a great prophet of God. And then everything goes pear-shaped in his life. Well, as I'm thinking about all this weeks ago, I had an appointment with one of the young leaders and a great gifted young man in our church, Nathan Ronson. We just organised to catch up and have coffee. He works shifts often as a lab technician at one of the major hospitals. And so I just arranged to catch up with him. I sit down with Nathan at a coffee shop not far from the church here. I sit down with him and as we are chatting, not about this message, he does not know I've written all this stuff down. We start sitting there and he starts telling me a story. That is so like hello that I said, Nathan, you have to share this with everyone. Will you come and do it? So give Nathan Ronson a big hand. Here he is. <laughs> Woo! Nathan Ronson, what a champion you are. And you. Uh, you serve in our creative team and we love that. You serve in our prophetic team and we love that. And you've served in Red Frogs way back in the early days, I think, as yes. well, didn't you? Yes. There's been a lot that you've done. You've always had a heart for God, that I know. But I also know that your life has not always been this beautiful, steady, dreamy upward path. Yes, that's true. There's been a couple of speed bumps in the <laughs> car park, isn't there? Yes. And just on the road, a few potholes, a few detours <laughs> and whatever like that. But I want you to tell everyone the story because this happened in your workplace. And I love this story because it wasn't about something on the platform or in some ministry or church. It's about you and your job. Yeah. And you serve as a lab technician. How long have you been there? Uh, since October 2000. Wow. So what's that, 20, 20 years? 20 and a half almost, years? Yeah, almost 21. Yeah. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. Uh, so you're in this pretty high-pressured environment because yeah. being a lab technician, it's... Especially now with the COVID stuff. And you totally got to get it right. Yep. <laughs> it's not like you go, nah. No, that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? A, B, positive. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, you kind of got to get it right. Yeah. And so it's already a pressured environment. But when you tell me this story, somehow or other everything, the pressure went to an entirely different level because you get a new boss. Is that the way it goes? Yeah, well, the job, the job that I got was a bit of a miracle in the first place because I had been working 
in supermarkets and retail for 10 years and I felt like um, God had used me a lot there as some people might remember way back in the late 90s I would have one or two rows of people from work who would come into church with me every week and got saved and and um, but I'd had enough of supermarkets and so I felt like to believe God for something better and after about six months um, I got that job at the hospital um, which was a miracle in its in itself long story but um, I was interesting what you were saying before about how God doesn't use you I felt like for 10 years since I'd left school and been in supermarkets I had been used by God heaps like you know in terms of caring for people in terms of people getting saved but when I got to this job um, it was like it was a brick wall and even though I kept I kept loving people I kept uh, doing my job and kept I knew that I was there to just love people care for people be the best Christian that I could be um, but after 12 or 13 years of that um, there hadn't been a lot of using by God in that environment to be honest and then as you said we had a new boss come in about 2013 and um, he was a bit difficult, and um, <laughs> to put it nicely. <laughs> um, and as what happens with jobs, a lot of the time, uh, everyone kind of scrambles for their own kind of thing and tries to hold their own job and, you know, gets insular and uh, a lot of fights between people at work and stuff. And so this grew over a course of about three years. And... Um, it all came to a head one night, long story short, but it all came to a head one night. I was working night shift about 2016 and there was two girls working with me. We usually had three people on a night shift and two girls working with me who I'd had quite a lot of conflict in that couple of years beforehand um, and they were sitting probably from front row to where I am and they were pretty close. Anyway, for the whole night they pretty much were rubbishing me and saying horrible things about me. And that was kind of my lowest ebb. Did they think you were deaf or something? Yeah, they, yeah they, I don't think they cared. Oh, okay. <laughs> it wasn't. So it was an incredibly toxic environment. Yeah, it really was. Not just from the boss. But yeah. When you told me the story, it was kind of like when he came in, all the unity went out the building. Yeah, that's right. It was a pretty happy place to work in for wow. the 12, 13 years before he got there. And um, we all got along pretty well. And then um, all of a sudden when he came along, there was tightening of everything. Um, you know, people were getting in trouble for stuff that they never got in trouble for before. Wow. Um, and there was a lot of threatens, threatened to be fired and a lot of staff turnover occurred. So there was a lot of change happening in terms of staff and it was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty difficult kind of environment. So when you get to that thing where... You know, these people, that, that must have been pretty devastating is too strong a word. But No, it was devastating because <laughs> I'd like, been very close. Like, hello, I'm in front of you, hello. Yeah, no, I had been very close to both of these people and, and I had really worked hard to try and build friendships with them and it had collapsed um, and this was kind of the end and, and I was really upset because I'd worked hard to build a friendship and that's what happens sometimes, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, so I remember leaving the building, as I said to you a few weeks ago, I left the building that night after work and um, once again cutting a long story very short, but I just saw God show me 
So did you have your resignation letter? Well, no, I never got to that stage. I mean, I, I'm, you know, it's hard to get me out of anything. As <laughs> 26 years, I've been. We were trying to get you out. No, no. Um, but um, I, I was. A lot of people were leaving because of all of this yeah, stuff that was going on, and um, I, I definitely considered it and thought about it. Um, but when I left that night, all I could see was God showing me two years down the track, three years down the track, if I just stay, keep doing what I was meant to be doing wow. and, and saw me laughing with these people, my reputation being restored because that's one of the things that happens as well. I think the enemy tries to attack a lot of the Christian people in the job sometimes when things go bad and um, I had a very difficult period trying to restore my reputation. A lot of the things that I was doing in my job was about caring for people, helping people, mm. and it was getting twisted into a place of selfishness that I was doing it just for my own benefit, to look good, to be friendly, to make friends, you know. And it was so all of my reputation got twisted around and, you know, so it was, it was messy. But God just kept showing me that night, and I'll never forget it as I was walking back to my car, just if I just stick with it, how he will change. And, you know, that scripture in the Bible that talks about he will be our justifier and our advocate, yeah, that has been one of the most powerful scriptures in my life. And I just would confess it a lot because, you know, when people put their head on the pillow at night, you don't know what they're thinking. And I just kept saying, God, you know, when people put their head on their pillow at night, you tell them, how good I am. I can't tell them how good I am. I can't tell them, you know, you tell them what, you know, what I do and who I am as a person. I can't make them feel or think things. So anyway, once again, long story short, but over the course of the last three or four years, um, God has completely restored my reputation. Wow. God, and even now I'm starting to find that I'm uh, the way I'm are viewed in my workplace and the ability to be able to help people and make a difference has actually returned to what it was before oh, that. But cool. it's taken a long, long time of prayer and just working through the emotions and the difficulties of it and standing in difficult times when I didn't feel like it, when God was telling me stuff that I don't want to hear, um, to just, you know, cop it sweet and keep going and, and do what's right, at, you know. I've got a thing that if God tells you to be somewhere, I don't move until he tells me to move. Yeah, you know, right. it's not about how I feel. It's not about uh, what I think. It's not about whether it's difficult. It's just, and I mean, unless there's abuse involved or, mm -hmm. you know, it, um, but I just will stay where God wants me to stay because that's what he said to do, you know. Yeah. Whether I like it or not, it's got nothing to do with it. It's, do you know what I mean? So... Is that boss still there? No. Well, it's funny. He still works there, but he doesn't work in our section. Uh -huh. And um, as I said to you, he crosses me and he passes me in the corridor at times and kind of looks at me like, <laughs> "Did you get me out of this job?" I didn't, but I think because he got he kind of got moved on. And when he got moved on, the boss the bosses above him actually came down to our section and apologised. Wow. Um, so that was that was an eye opener because a lot of the time when you're in the middle of something like that, you think it's your fault. You think you you know, oh, am I just imagining all of this as my you know? But then when that happened, you go, oh, okay. Well, it wasn't actually. So when you it was look, real. When you look back now, after because I you know for a few years as you say it was very difficult. Yeah. When you look back now, how grateful are you for that voice of the Lord in the car park to you saying? I know you feel like running, 
I yeah. know you feel like getting out, but stay right where you are. I will turn it around for you. How are you about – do you look back now and go, wow? Uh, very grateful. I think those who know me intimately will know that I'm <laughs> probably a little bit lean towards the pessimistic. So <laughs> when, <laughs> when I'm getting – visions of things being positive i know it's god because it's not my natural <laughs> it's not my natural kind of instinct thank so, you for your honesty <laughs> so um so god just kept showing me all the time you know the restoration of friendships the oh, restoration wow. of workplace relationships the restoration of my uh reputation and just just keep you know day after day week after week you don't have to try hard you don't have to just be there mm. do what god tells you to do and over time, God will do the work. And I'd, to be honest, I'd seen it in so many other areas that God had done before, right. sticking around when things got difficult or coming back to situations that were hard right. and um, just knew that it, God had done it before, he could do it again, and he would, and he did. Hey, thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for your faithfulness in so many areas. Thank you for what you do in the prophetic team as well, because I just think we all so desperately want to hear from God and, you know, sometimes, a lot of the time, it's encouraging and it's comforting. But thank God for the times when he leads us in the difficult places as well. Thanks. Thanks, Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Just like David, no one would have blamed Nathan if he got up and said, you know what, I'm out of here. Nobody would have blamed him for it. I want you to think of these words of Jesus in Matthew 5. He said, you've heard that it was said, you'll love your neighbour and hate your enemy. He said, but I'm saying to you, do the opposite of that. Bless those, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. Sometimes we're not going to feel like this is where I want to be. This is the way I want it to, to happen. But when God tells you something you don't want to hear, listen for the voice of God. I've got just... Four things that I think can be a help to any of you that are a part of this service. And uh, they're things that I've thought about for a long period of time and things that I've observed in Christians' lives and watching how God moulds us and how God works with us uh, to help us. Because sometimes we're like a little kid. I watched one the other day, a little child who had a hold of mum's hand and definitely wanted to be with mum, but wanted mum to change where mum was going. And so this little child, mum, 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 and trying to drag, and mum's going, no, that's not where we're going to go. We're going to go that way. And I watched that and I thought how much we are all uh, like that little kid. We're holding on to the father for sure. We want to make sure that we're really tight and close with him. But, you know, oftentimes... We want him to change his direction for our life. Here's four things that I think can help us if you hear God speak something you don't want to hear. Number one, let the word of God correct as much as it comforts. I think a lot of the 21st century church has forgotten that the word of God is for correction every bit of it as much as it is for comfort in our lives. Amen. And so some of the words of, of, the, of the Bible are challenging. I don't think I've ever felt like believing God in the middle of a problem. Genuinely. 
Psalm 23, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Like, hello, you're in the valley of the shadow of death. Of course you feel like fearing. It's what, what it looks like, isn't it? But I've learned to hear the word of the Lord. I'll never forget sitting as a, a, a young married man. I don't think we even had children. I was sitting out on the front porch. I could paint you the picture if I was an artist. I'm sitting out there and I'm telling God about the problem I was in at that time and how big it was. And I, clear as a bell, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say to me, where is your faith? And I thought, see, what I wanted God to do was to come and pat me on the back and sing Kumbaya and tell me how he understood my pain. And all he did was challenge me to get up off the ground and start believing. And I remember, like, but it was a good challenge, you know what I mean? It wasn't a, like a slap-you-down challenge, but it was very definitely a challenge. And I sat there, you know, I was all ready to have my own personal pity party. I was ready to lower the bucket down deep into that and bring up all I could get and tell the Lord how sad it was. And all he did was say, what are you doing? Get up from there. Let the Word of God correct as much as it comforts in your life. Number two, don't allow your flesh to become your excuse. You and I are human. That's what having flesh means. It's our natural human tendencies. But don't allow your flesh to become your excuse. After all, I'm just human. Well, everybody feels like that. Matthew 11 verse 19, I think it's one of the most profound things Jesus said. He said in a couple of the Gospels, he said, uh, wisdom's justified of her children. In other words, all of us can justify where we're at in our life. But don't allow your flesh to become your excuse. Here's number three. Don't make the crowd your counsellor. There's a massive difference between opinions and counsel. And so many people don't understand the difference. Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. doesn't say where there are no opinions. Right now in our world, we are seeing more opinions than there's ever been exhibited, I'm sure, on planet Earth. You know, opinions are, I mean, when I went through a, a great health difficulty about 11 years ago, I remember once I Googled that condition. I Googled it once, and when I saw the incredible variety of you should, you shouldn't, and whatever, I literally got off that page, and not once during all the rest of the journey did I look at it again. You know why? Not because I was afraid of the information, but I didn't need opinions, I needed counsel. I didn't need a whole lot of people's ideas about how you ought to live. Listen to me, don't listen to people who are travel agents. Look for tour guides. A travel agent sits there, shows you pictures and tells you where to go. A tour guide goes on the journey with you. What you need in your life are people that who will go on the journey with you. Right now amongst our church family, there's numbers of people that are walking through some very challenging spaces and they've got some difficulties, maybe in their job or in their family life or 
even in health issues. And I want to tell you, I sat with a man today, his wife's here tonight. I sat with a man today and you know what he says? Thank God for the family of God. Thank God that in the middle of my challenge, there are people who walk with me. Amen. You need tour guides in your life, not travel agents. You've got enough of those. They'll come a million miles. And if you're on social media, Lord have mercy. I'm telling you, a ping pong ball in a hurricane has got absolutely nothing on this thing when it comes to all the pens. I'm not against social media. I'm on social media. But I tell you what, if I led this church according to what everybody says, well, I would have preached twice. I'm just thinking to myself, do you really want to dive into the deep? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, I would have preached for vaccination, anti-vaccination. I would have preached a whole lot of stuff if that was the way we wanted to lead. But I just don't believe that everyone's opinion takes the place of counsel in someone's life. Amen. Opinions come without looking, but I find counsel has to be sought. Opinions are easy. Your hairdresser's got them. I got my hair cut the other week. I'm hearing all the opinions about vaccinations, all kinds of stuff. But much as I love my beautiful hairdresser and Penny, if you're watching, you're an awesome hair cutter. But can I say you're qualified to cut hair, not maybe some of the other areas. God bless you and I love you and I hope she never watches that. Don't make the crowd your counsel. Number four, last one. Make yes to God your default. You know, uh, I've got a message coming up somewhere on the way. I've been thinking about this one for weeks on starting points. Because the starting point you choose determines how long the journey is and whether you ever reach it. If I say to you, I want to go to Exmouth, but my starting point is Geraldton, I'll get there a lot quicker than the person who's starting from the McMurdo base in Antarctica. Or someone who's starting in Zhengzhou in China. I'm going to get there a lot quicker. And so the starting point you pick is incredibly important. If you start from the starting point of going, God, here's my starting point. Yes. If you say, I do. Don't pray for guidance, but only wanting to be led where you want to go. God, guide me, Lord, to Hawaii. Lord, God, guide me to winning lotto numbers. Lord, lead me to Mr. or Miss Wright who just won Miss World. <laughs> some of you are laughing about this. I'm not sure. Is, is this just too heavy for you? Uh, some of you are looking a bit like, oh, God, this has been tough for some of you. I don't know. Make yes to God your default. I've, I've never regretted saying, God, here's my automatic yes. Amen. Our yes to God is not yes, but, or yes, if. It's just yes. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for all your word to us. I thank you, Lord, for the times when we just are swamped by your hope. Your encouragement comes in such a powerful way that we, Lord, are, are profoundly lifted out of those places. And Lord, I thank you. That's what you always want to do. You want to lead us to good places. 
You're taking us through the valley of the shadow of death to a table spread before us in the presence of our enemies where the cup runs over and our head knows nothing but anointing. Oh God, we love that. But God, along the journey, would you help us for the moments, Lord, where maybe you'll say something that is awkward to hear, like Nathan was saying in the workplace, where everything in him says, oh, let me out of here. But God, you say, no, I want you to persevere. Thank you, Lord, for what lies on the other side always of our obedience in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for people that might be in difficult places and they, they have not even heard the word of the Lord. Maybe, Lord, the emotion of everything that's going on is so overpowering. They're not hearing. Lord, would you help them? I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. In the name of Jesus. You know, there's some people that are with us and maybe you're in the building or maybe you're online, but that story that Nathan told is for you, a divine voice to you. Because in the workplace you're in, I, I don't know who you are, but I see someone overseas and somewhere in Asia. And, you know, you're in a place right now where there's pressure on you, where again, you, you feel like maybe the enemy's just trying to squeeze you out. And yet it, it was a dream to you to be where you are. And I believe that what Nathan shared tonight, you'll go away and maybe that's the only thing you'll remember is that the Lord's saying to you, I've got it in hand. I'll take care of it in Jesus' name. Father, I pray too for people that are a part of this service who've maybe never given you their yes, the first one, the one that makes you Lord and Savior in their life, the one that lets them in on all that you have prepared for them, the privilege and the joy of walking with you. I pray right now, Lord, speak to those hearts and those lives in Jesus' name. Speak to them, Lord. Touch them by your Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you're with us tonight and maybe you're in the building or maybe you're online, you go, Jeff, I don't know Jesus. Or maybe like happens almost every week, there'll be people who used to be, used to walk with God, used to be a part of a church maybe, maybe even served in one. And then somewhere along the way, stuff happened and you lost your way and you find yourself in a place where you need to come back to Jesus and say your yes. If you're in Australia, it's simple. You just go to 0488826392. Put in YES, send that off. If you're outside of Australia or you want to get the support and the help via email, then you go to Metro Church, uh, yes.metrochurch.org.au. If you're on Metro Church Online, it's even easier than that. You simply click on that Yes tab that's coming up right now on there for you. And you do that. And out of that, you can begin to, to start a walk with God. We'll send you the next day out of our church here. It doesn't come from anywhere else. We'll send you a Bible verse that's different every day for 30 days. We'll send you a prayer. The whole lot fits on one screen of the smartphone, by the way. You'll get it. it won't take you long. The prayer is so you can start talking with God. A lot of people don't know how to begin. We want to help you with that. You can opt out whenever you like. It's no pressure. We'll never write and ask you for money. We'll never spam you. We'll never start sending you heaps of stuff. That's not the way we work. We purely and solely want to help you discover how to walk with Jesus. Amen. So God bless you. I pray that tonight will help you. I know that 
right across the life of our church, there's always people that are going, you know what? I'm just not sure. Will God lead me? Absolutely He will. God will lead you. God will direct your life. God will take you into a great space, just like He's done for Nathan. Thank you again, Nathan, for sharing out of your heart so candidly. <laughs> I know you don't. That's one of the things I like about this church. This is not a church where people pretend. We're, just, we're right there. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for that. Come on, we're going to worship the Lord again. Soup's waiting for us if you're in the building. If you're not in the building, go and look at a picture of Soup. Uh, but here, I'm really, uh, I can smell walking up onto the platform. The chicken and corn soup, it doesn't smell like any chicken and corn soup I ever smelled. It's amazing. And then there's bacon, broccoli, pea and mint, which sounds amazing. And so my advice to you, I'm happy to pray with anyone who wants prayer, but I suspect that there will be a stampede out of the cafe. There's bread for you as well. Come on, let's stand together. You hold it all together. Let's declare that together God for our life. Father, we believe that tonight. We believe, Lord, that you are holding our life. God, thank you that we are not just hanging on to you, but you've got a hold of us. Thank you, Lord, for the way you'll use us in the week to come. People will get blessed. Some it'll be because we say something that speaks to where they're at. Others, Lord, it'll just because we'll be a calming presence in their world, their life. We'll be a friend to those that need it. Thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.